what a beautiful time to be able to be here with you. I came from Father's Day in, uh, in, uh, let me see where I come from, <laughs> from, from uh, Antioch. And I'm having a beautiful time. I, 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 I went Wednesday to Sacramento, to your baby church, and then to the Spanish, then to Fremont, then to, I was over there by the pits, I mean Antioch, and I find I wanted to get over there to, to the heart of the bay, see? Because this is, this is a, a church that has history. Your, your pastor's son, a dad came and tore it up in the 80s. And God blessed him with people from Dakota and so forth. Now we're in wheresoever. They're going to be coming in from all over. Richmond, San Jose, wherever the bark goes to, they're going to come. They're going to come from the other side of the, of the bay. They're going to come in from San Pancho. They're going to come in from Oakland. They're going to come in from Richmond, Vallejo. You, you name it, wherever your family live, wherever God you come from, whoever you know, we're here to celebrate God, our Godfather, God the Father, who made everything possible for a people like us that were not a people. A people that might have been raised up with parents that that maybe didn't know how to know about the Lord, or maybe they didn't live a good life, and maybe they didn't make good decisions, and and because of that results, maybe some of them were in prison, maybe some of them were were in the streets, but because of the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father sent His Son to start a ministry for treasures out of darkness and their families all over the world. We're a ministry right now of fathers. And many mothers had to be fathers. So I'm not just speaking to the fathers because I'm talking to the mamas too who, who, have, who are like fathers. <coughs> and so I wanted to wish you a happy Father's Day. Okay? You're going to have a good day all day long. They're going to take you to go fellowship. The malls are empty on Father's Day because the dad's cut out. On Mother's Day, you can't get through the mall. Everybody's buying their mother a gift. But you know what? The men are rising up. Put that over there. The men in Victory Outreach are rising up. I'd like you to turn your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. And when you have it, say amen. Let me just look at you, okay? The lights are bright, and I just want to run a make. To see if any, anybody have any warrants. <laughs> to see you, because you look beautiful. I love your pastor, Stevan. You know, every time I call, he never... I to say hello and, and things like that, and I and I say I'm gonna I wanna come or or I'm I'm studying this or or I'm gonna be over there. You know that 
Some of the pastors, they have busy schedules, but your pastor always says, come on down. Yeah, we want that. I said, you're kidding. He even blows my mind. I thought he was going to say, well, can we do it after the conference? And, and he said, do you have Father's Day open? I said, yeah. He said, come on down. I titled this, Happy Father's Day, Father God, and Happy Father's Day, Fathers. And what I would like to say to the fathers from Victory Outreach, that's my title. What I want to say to the fathers from Victory Outreach, I'd like you to turn your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. My wife sends her love to all of, her, all of her friends here in Victory Outreach. She's not well, but she's learned how to like live through pain because sometimes people have long distance or long lasting illnesses and she's in a lot of pain, but she's very close to God because she spends a lot of time in the Bible and in the, in the computer listening to the preachers that I had to learn to drop my schedule and join her because the Lord would say, you know how to study, study later. Drop that. Get over there with your wife and listen to those preachers because one day you may not have her. And she likes the way you make coffee. So get over there and make her a cup of coffee and get in there and listen to these preachers and usually when she says, oh, look at they're preaching a good message, I want to get on a bummer because it's what I need. <laughs> she always has a way of, of knowing what I need, what I'm working on that day. But you learn eventually, dads, you learn eventually not to get uptight at your wife for schooling you, see? Eventually, you'll, you'll get humble and you'll learn that she's not trying to down you. Because you're in it together. If one goes down, it affects the whole family. And so she sends her love. And uh, she just came from Chicago. She preached four times over there, once to the women in the region, and then preached for Nick Walker all day Sunday, and then in the UTC on Monday. So when she came, I waited a couple of days to see if she was all right, and she was hurting. And so I get, got her set up, and I came Wednesday. But I'll be back Tuesday. And I don't get to do that much because when your wife is not well, you can't go all over the world like you did before. And so today, there's something that I want to say to the fathers. In chapter 6 of Ephesians, I like to use this as a pivoting point to speak to the fathers of victory outreach and the moms who are in a fatherly role. It says, and you fathers, he's talking to me and you. It says, do not provoke your children to anger, to wrath. Don't stay on them, in other words, until you get them uptight and they cut out. But bring them up in the training and the Things that the Lord doesn't like. That's what the word admonition means. Admonition. 
In other words, dads, we're going to learn how to bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Father, I thank you and I give you all of the honor and all of the glory, Lord, for the privilege to be able to be here in place of Pastor Stevan. I pray that you would move there where he's at upon his family and the responsibility that he has, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I thank you for the way you're going to move upon the fathers, and I especially thank you for our kids who came to minister unto us and their anointing, and we can envision how they're going to be down the road for your honor and glory. And everybody said, Amen. And so, there was, what I wanted to say is this, is that as I was uh, preparing to come, the Lord, like, he quickened me and he said, I don't want you to worry about, about getting a message for them, for the fathers. He says, I'm going to give you something, but I want you to tell them about what you went through to raise up three boys in the Lord and, and how you learned to become a husband. Those 38 years that you've been with me and how you learned to, to, be, a, to be a father and, and, and to go to church and to work and, and so forth. And so I said, thank you, Lord, because I know where to start. And this is where I want to start, dads, to encourage you. In order for us to be able to do what the Bible says, it says, it says train up our children in the ways of the Lord. That means, you know, uh, the Bible and the way Jesus is, the, what the Bible says. And then in the admonition, it means it, the things that God doesn't like, we have to find, we have to be wise to tell our children the things that God doesn't like. And so this is what I'm going to use as a motivation for us is that in order to be able to do that the best, what I remember, what I did, is I responded to the call of God upon my life. There is a high call given to every human being ever born in this world. Every little kid, every baby, unborn or born, the Lord has called. It's a mighty call. It's a call the Bible speaks about to the love of God, to experience the love of God. John speaks about that. It's a call for the sinner to come and repent of our sins. It's a call of God to come out of darkness into the marvelous light. And it's a call of the Lord, the Heavenly Father, so that we can come and repent of our sins and get saved, and so will our families come in. And it's a call, my brothers and sisters, that those of you that are wasted, and those that have been tired, and those that can't make it further, it's a call to come and to receive the rest of the Lord. For he says, take my yoke, for it is easy, and I will give you rest. And the, the call the when we respond to the call, it's just two responsibilities that the dads and the moms that are that are uh, that are uh, having to to play the fatherly role. 
It's one. Is that our responsibility is to make God look good. Make him look good in your daily life. The way you act at home, the way, the, 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 the way you are uh, uh, in the community, when the people in the community see you and at the Walmarts, at the show, the theater, at your job, and, and you make him look good. You brag about him. When you go to places and you brag about your pastors and you brag about your outreach, uh, where you're at with your cousins, and when you see the connection and you see the cartel people that you know, and then when you see the bloods in the cribs and the white supremacists and your friends that are hell's angels and mongols and the mafiosos and those that are from the northern structure, when you see those type of people in the squares from Delaware, and when you see the teachers, and you see the hard workers in your everyday life, how we will glorify and honor God is to brag about him. Change to be like the Lord. Don't stay the same. And then the second thing is this. Build the kingdom of God. What you've been doing by, by going out and, and having the rallies. But what this refers to is the same things that I mentioned every day. Telling people about Jesus. That's how the kingdom of God is built. And so those are the two responsibilities that a Christian has when he responds to the call. But look at how beautiful the call is, Dad is that your kids are watching you if you respond or not. The second thing is, is, that, is that it's a personal call. It's, uh, 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 Isaiah speaks about that he called us while we were inside our mother's womb, speaking to Israel. We're able to get what happened in the then and now, and we're able to bring it to the here and now because they were God-fearing people, the people of God, and so are we who accepted Jesus Christ, the children of the living God. So it's a personal call, and, the, and, the, and even in Isaiah 43, it speaks about that he called us by our name. Imagine he knew your name, and then John, First John says how wonderful it is that he called, that we are called sons and daughters of the living God. See, see how beautiful the calling is? And so when we respond to that call, it's described in this way. This is how the Bible describes it. It says that it is a holy calling, that it is a high calling, that it is, it is a call, an, an eternal calling. It is a call, a call of grace from grace, to bring us from with grace to his grace. It is a call of righteousness to come into the righteousness of God. It is a call that is irrevocable along with the, with the gifts. It cannot be taken once the hit is on. You can't pay to take the hit off. There's no money, there's nothing that you, you and I can do because the call is irrevocable. And the call is to all those things. How beautiful, huh? And you know how people get prepared for the call? They have to respond. So the reason why I'm saying this, because dads, I'm remembering when I, when, when I responded to the call of God. And then 
I learned, I had to, I had to train. I, I, I responded and then I had to train. I had to find my place in the body of Christ. And so when you and I are raising up our kids, I was thinking, I said, what could I share with the dads and the moms that are like dads? And then the Lord reminded me, is that this is everyday living and you're training them in the ways of the Lord. Because if you don't learn how to apologize and repent to your kids and to your wife and you stay hard and you, and, and, and you keep making mistakes, they're not going to follow that. They're going to follow the ways of the pastor, the ways of their youth leader, the ways of the, ways of the Lord. But I'm just showing you so how, to, how you're gonna, you and I are going to be able not to provoke our children to anger and, and how you're going to train them by you being, me and you being their example in everyday life. Are you with me so far? So I remember that, that I responded to the call of God. And when you and I respond to the call of God, it will develop you for your call. See? See, once you respond to the Lord and then all of a sudden you're open to leaders, the pastors and God, and he'll tell you, he'll, he'll be proud of you because he goes by the intentions of the heart. And when you say, Lord, I want to make my calling, I missed everything in life. I lost three wives or I had three girlfriends. I blew them away. I had a good husband, but I'd rather have a gangster. Lord, I cheated on my husband. I cheated on two husbands. Lord, I had kids from different fathers. Lord, I didn't graduate. Lord, my kids don't know their dad. They think this is their dad. Lord, I muffed it all my life. I didn't graduate. I embarrassed my parents. I shamed the name of my family. Lord, I don't want to miss this opportunity that I'll never have again before. And that is to respond to the high call of the creator of the universe. Help me, Lord. I'm not able to help myself. I'm not able to do everything. But, Lord, I'll respond because this is what I want to do. Then God looks at the intentions. He counts the intention as, as though it was done because intention means you're willing to do it and he'll guide us in everyday life. Are you with me? Let me see if I can find my, my I had a bottle right here. Give me that one over there, it's open. This is a time for a worthy cause. You remember the nightclub? When they said, we're going to take a break, and all of a sudden you went out for a smoke break. Thank you. This is what you call service of love. Are you with me? So, when you respond... The second thing that I did was this. There was a leader named Ray Torres. My wife and I, he, he called me in my house and he came to see me and 
I was just barely saved, delivered at home. I got saved in my house. I didn't know I was about to go to church. I was a whoremonger for 20 years, and God delivered me from getting loaded and partying, even though I worked and was married, but I was no good. And when, when I accept, made, made the decision to accept the Lord, the guys from Victory Outreach and the girls that worked in this drug program, they bragged about their Jesus to me. And they bragged about Pastor Sonny and Julie and, and the outreach. And so they would tell me what to do when I got ready, how to accept the Lord. And so when, when I got ready to make that decision, I, I got ready, I thought about it, I went home and my boy was five years old going seven months to church with my wife. He laid hands on me, and I got delivered. Of over five, over eight habits that had me bound for 20 years. Just a little kid that would see the, the ministers and the people lay hands on them. And so I didn't know I was going to get delivered till this, I woke up. When I woke up, I noticed that I didn't have the hunger to get loaded or to fool around with women or to party, and those type of things. And it made me cry, because I didn't think that somebody that was no good that would be able to have a miraculous touch from a God, a creator, and, and, and that he would, that holiness would come and touch us, and, 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 and do what was impossible with drug programs, and impossible with the will of man, Impossible with the courts and rehab and AA and, and, and NA and every step. But was impossible with them was possible with God. And so see what that does is that that touches us to want to respond. Like, so my wife said, won't you go to church? I didn't know I was supposed to go to church. I was crying, delivered. And you experienced a miracle. And she said, won't you go to church? They were praying for you. And, and they, they heard you got saved. I said, okay, I'll go. Two days later, Wednesday. I go in there. And then all of a sudden, I see people that I thought they were dead. People that I got loaded with. Some rukas that I knew out there. All, all of a sudden, I looked and I saw guys that were in, in, in prison and jail with me or people that I got loaded with and, you know, just, and I saw them reach, lifting up their hands and sad girl was there and shy boy was there and, and, and just uh, different people that, that you didn't expect to be there that were lifting up their hands and they still had a lot of the old culture, the pachuconess from El Paso, you know, and and the maravillas and neighborhood lifestyles and, you know, and, and pride and stuff like that. Chicanismo and Mexicanismo and all those type of things. And so, boom, when I saw that, it touched me and I said, man, I could spend time here. As I kept going back and learning how to go, I said, wow, man. I said, I could die for this. And then as time went by, the Lord said, well, you, are you ready to die for me? And it took a while to say yes, because I was so happy to live. I cried. 
the Lord left me crying. <laughs> because I said, come on, God, I just got saved. Do I have to die? He wasn't talking about dying to yourself. He was, he was telling me, I didn't know it was biblical, that all the, uh, that all the disciples died for the master, that Jesus died for God the Father for our sins. See, I didn't know it was biblical. And so as the Lord kept on, you know, watching me grow, and our pastor preaching, Pastor Sonny, and then he, he asked me, are you ready to die for me? And I said, yes. He said, are you ready to die for your pastor another time? I said, yes. He said, then go and tell him. So I had to stand in a line, like about 30 people. So I felt like a big old name. I felt like a duck on that line. Somebody was talking to me and saying, who do you think you are? Gee, man, you big dummy. I'm number 28 now. He said, man, look at that. You're this heavy man of God and started this ministry. And you ain't nothing. You've never been nothing. And number 15 now. And he says, and you still have the nerve to stand there. Number three by now. And boom. And, he's, and then all of a sudden, I'm number, my number's up. <laughs> I had to look at him in the eye and tell him, Pastor, I'm with you till death. He looked at me and I looked at him. And he says, continue with the leader that you're with. And so what I wanted to say is that, is that because I wanted to make the call of God, you have to find your place. It's the only way that you train. If you don't find your place, that means that uh, you could have responded to the call of God, but you're not going to get trained. See, when you don't respond to the call of God, it, it's, it means that, that you're putting everything I just mentioned on hold. See, everything, the goodness of God, the mighty call of God, the beauty of holiness, everything is on hold because we're stuck on me, myself, and I. See, and other things are more important, the kids, the father, the husband, the house, the job. And all those things become first. And so it's hard for somebody to put the call of God first if they have everything else before him. And so I knew that I had to put everything, uh, 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 I had to put God first. I didn't know I had to put anything else second. No, because God spoke about the call of God and I wanted to respond. And he said, now I want you to train. So for three and a half years, I was under one leader, and I was learning to go to church. I was learning to become a, to be a father, to continue to work, and I was learning how to be a doer of the word. See? And that leader showed me how to witness, and he showed me how to go to the streets, took me to jails, and he would invite me to meetings. Well, my wife and I were learning to be a husband, a wife, parents, members in the, of the church in the community, and going to church and, and learning how to be doers of the word. Now, the next leader that got me for a year and a half was the general, Stevie Pineda, one of the greatest men of God, one of the greatest elders that I ever met that came in from Santa Paula. He loved heroin. 
and someone got him and sent him to Victor, sent him to, sent him to Narcotic Prevention Project, and one of the guys that worked there from Victory Outreach that was close to Pastor Sonny did an intake on him and sent him to the, to the Victory Outreach Rehabilitation Home, the good old home. And he walked in there with his toothbrush, and when he left, he left a pastor. He left an elder. He left a couple of houses to his wife. He left insurance. And he reported to heaven at a young age, 50-some years old. Well, he was our second leader. And so he showed us, he got a hold of me and my wife, and he would take us to his neighborhood for three days, passing out flowers. He'd take us to the prisons in Mexico, dangerous prisons. And he always wanted my wife to come with me. And he would take us to the streets and crusades and different different places and passing out flyers and sleeping in, uh, uh, somewhere or in a hotel and, and eating two or three meals a day and we did it on $4 a weekend. Imagine, he would say, come on, I want you to go. Can you get a babysitter? Okay, we'll call you back. How much money you got? Four bucks, bring it. So me and my wife, we beat Rachel Ray. We didn't have to have $34. We ate twice a day. We witnessed. We met people. <laughs> we see God moving the miraculous, the supernatural. Well, I'm learning to be a father. See? And my kids are little, and they're seeing their parents learning how to live together and repenting and fighting and going to church and coming back and failing and, and learning how to be parents to them and repenting even to them when we're, we're, but they seen us find our place and help two leaders that was the second leader now what, what it'll do when you find that leader you gotta find a leader that you can die for I'm not gonna kid around okay I don't wanna fool you you're in a ministry that's like the Lord Jesus Christ we don't know when we're going to go to heaven. <laughs> Our examples died for the master. They took countries. And in the blood of this ministry, when we started planting churches, your pastor's father went to the Philippine Islands with just an address. Probably just enough to get a few meals and, and went to go scout the land and didn't know a lot of people but a phone number. Another country, wild. And so it's in your blood. It's in your bones. It's in the spirit that, that we know we have been given a beautiful ministry, a ministry that we can fit in, a ministry that pastors understand us, that they, they will encourage us so that we could learn by getting involved how to be the parents, how to be the dad. And, and so... But when we get involved, I was involved with those two leaders for one and a half years each. But look at this is what it did. It developed me for my call. Because I had to learn how to go to church and be a husband, go to work and, you know, and, and repent if I got angry and, or take rebukes. And, 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 and if I mistreated my children and I knew I did, I had to apologize and start over. 
You say you're sorry a lot, and they get tired of you saying you're sorry. They say you're the sorriest guy I know. See? And, and you feel real bad because you say, man, I'm messing up my family. And so what it does is that it'll develop you for your call, and the call leads to your purpose. This is so beautiful. The call, if you respond to the call, it will lead to the purpose that God has for you. The, the reason why you and I were born at this time. The, if you respond to the call of God, it's a special call. It will lead to your purpose. And as you begin to train, it unfolds. Day by day, week by week, month by month, the plan of God for you and your family unfolds. And you begin to train. You begin to develop. Develop means to cause to grow. It means to become complete. To begin to be seen. Or to become active in those ways of the Lord. To, it will put you through various stages of production until you and I are getting fixed up. And so, by preparing daily for your call, you're preparing daily before the Lord. Because you're going to prepare this way. The first place that you're going to be in training is with your family. Right in front of them. If you read your Bible and pray, they're going to see that. If you don't master it and if you hardly read it, they're going to see that. See? They're going to love you and all of that, but they're going to have to look for somebody else that's an example. And so they're going to they're going to see how you, how you're doing how you're preparing for your call because they live with you. And they'll see that that if you make a mistake, but if you repent, oh you got them. If you say I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that, oh you want them. But if we stay if we stay proud and we pretend we didn't we're, we didn't do anything wrong and we're tight or 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 we don't back up the man of God, or, or we eat the, the pastor for tacos, <coughs> or we talk about everybody's wrong and everything. They don't mind if we talk about everybody's wrong as long as we mention our wrong. See? Once we don't mention what's wrong with us, then they're able to see. Because eventually we're able to see the wrong in people. But when you start seeing the wrong in yourself, all of a sudden, you start seeing the right in people. <laughs> you say, wait a minute, I got it backwards. This is the beautiful people. They're God's people. Some are going to respond later to the call of God. There's so many responding now. There's miracles. There's families being raised. There's teenagers. God has done miraculous works. <laughs> but they see all of that. And when you're preparing daily, it'll be before the Lord Second, it'll be before your family. And third, it'll be before your community. Because you spend more time in your community than in your church and your Bible study. So the community is a very important place. Walmart, Target, where you eat, where you work. When you see the cholos, when you see the cartel, when you see the bloods, when you see the white supremacists, when you see the cribs, when you see the Norteños, when you see the structure. When you see the mafiosos, when you see all those people, the little girls walking with their babies, taking their babies to the stores, 
and you and I see those, they're the ones that are going to be able to bear witness because you know why? There's a scripture in Romans 8.19 that says, creation awaits eagerly for God to manifest his children. Creation is people. That scripture says that they wait eagerly <coughs> to see the manifestation of God's people, which is the people of love, which is the people that reaches out, a people that does follow up, a people that are, are not afraid of challenges, a, a people that are changing, a, a, an apologetic people, a people in the word, a people of love. And so the community sees that. They may not know what you're doing, but they see it in your training in front of God, in front of your family, dads, in your training in front of your community, and in your training in front of your church. See? When you come to church, how are you with people? See? Are you shallow? Do you let them in? Do you tell them what you're going through? Do you give a praise report? Do you cut out right away after the service? Have you not responded to the call of God so you don't have to be responsible? And so, but you want to raise up your kids. But are you going to raise them up in the ways of the Lord? See? Are you, are you going to get on their case when, when they come home with a monkey bite? See? And then throw them on and call them a whore. Or because they get pregnant and they just made you feel bad and you throw them out. And then three years later, you're in a bummer because you haven't seen your grandson. They're over there with the sinners hanging around with the other family. Why? Because they accepted your daughter. See? And us the Christians, we're burned. We can't even see our grandson or our granddaughter because we thought we were supposed to throw them out. Imagine that. Usually people get on the phone after I'm done and they call their daughter and they say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He said, tell your husband that, or your boyfriend or your shack up, tell him that I love him. <laughs> Can we start over? I didn't know that as a Christian that, that you don't have to like be a certain way that God will show you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, all this is training because you're going to raise up your kids for the long run. He who wins souls is wise. They may not come in right now, but eventually they will. Are you with me? And you become a daily example to your family of a Christian that is doing his call and that is training. I, I, can you see that? You're, you're training for your call. And, 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 and you'll become a daily example. That means that every day they, they'll see you. Every day they're going to see even the change taking place. Now, this is how you bring up your, your, your children in the training and the admonition of the Lord. You, yes, you read the Bible with them. Yes, you pray as they allow you, as they're interested. Yes, you take them to go witness. Yes, you take them to go fellowship and do follow-up. Yes, you take your kids to do those things. But the real classroom 
is every day how we live there in the community and in the church and in front of the Lord. It's, it's how you're going to train them because they're going to watch you. Now, two, the father is the parent responsible for the family. That father, the father is the parent responsible for the family. One, in setting the pattern for the child's obedience. See? The dad's responsible. That's why it says, don't cause them to be angry if they're, if they're being disobedient. You got to find a way how to work with them. Because if you get on them and all of a sudden they get angry because they were disobedient and they're out of there and you're happy, ah, get out of here. Don't come back till you're ready. Well, they probably will never come back. But it says that the father is responsible. It means he has to find a way on how to help his child be obedient to the home and to the ways of the Lord. They're not going to be obedient in everything, but if they're obedient in one thing, we, we're on. See? But if we say, oh, they're not obedient in this and that and this, and then we lose love. And so it says this. It says, how? How is the father setting the pattern? By not provoking your child to wrath. Not provoking your child. This is, this is an example. Sometimes they're stepkids. The mom's not around or the dad's not around and the little stepkid gets mistreated. As soon as his mom or dad comes around, that stepmom and that stepdad acted like if he's the real father and mother. See? So to that child's eye, it's evil and wicked. And so indirectly what it'll do, it'll cause them to go to wrath, to anger. And there won't be trust. Maybe the father is not catching it and so forth. And so it says that we're to bring them up in the training of the Lord. The training that we have in Victory Outreach. We're not like any other ministry, Victory Outreach. We're, I, I don't know what other ministries are around, but we're not like them. We're not better than them. They have their own call, but God called us because we get down with our bad selves. He called us because we would not fit in a traditional church. We're too suspicious and we still don't know how to act right. We look felonious and they're not going to trust us when we walk in. And so God had to make a special church for us with pastors who had understanding because we are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're the people that Jesus went after, called the immoral woman, the leopard, the fisherman, the alcoholic, violent people, those type of people that, that he went after, that nobody wanted, the, the paralytic, the one that was, that, was, that was possessed by demons. He came after them. And so he gave us his ministry because he knew that we were going to be all over the world. We're all over the world and we reach treasures out of darkness and their families. That's how we're able to make it. God is concerned not only for us. 
He's concerned for our mother, our father, our aunt, our neighbor, our homeboy, our enemy, the person that lives across the street, a cousin, an aunt, uh, your, 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 your wife's children. He wants the first one that's open, but he cares for all of them. And he cares for us all over the world. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because I'm trying to paint a picture to you. I want you to see that picture. Now, with this second point, that the father's responsible for setting the pattern, but look at the things that the dad has to do. It's a continuous job. I mean, when they're 18, you can't say, get out of here. My kids need me more at 43, and they have their own places than they did when they were eight years old. They call every day. Hey, Dad, what are you doing? How are you doing? And uh, always have a complaint. So I listen to them, and they brainwash me. After they're done, I hate everybody they told me about. <laughs> I had to say, son, I got to hang up. And I got to get in there in prayer and ask God to wash my mind, wash my heart. And, and uh, they're mad at the pastor. They're mad at the pastor's son. They're mad at the treasure. They're mad at this leader. They're mad at everybody. But I had to teach them how to talk. Because if they don't talk, it'll go to their heart and then they'll cut where God put them in. Imagine, if you don't teach them that, you know what happens? They'll eventually get mad cut the pastor loose and cut everybody loose and the next step is cutting God loose. And then they'll cut out somewhere else and get lost for another few years and then all of a sudden they'll come back and they'll say, how was it out there? There ain't no, there ain't no place like Victory Outreach that'll accept somebody that's messed up like me. And I didn't realize how messed up I was and how good I feel over here with all the mess-ups. That God is healing us and touching us and he's showing us how to be Christians and he's showing us how to be for real. Because if we're not for real, how are we going to know what to, what to get healed, what to change? Over there, I sat in the same place and it was a big church, but nobody knew me. And they come back happy. I don't want my kids to go through that. But if they do, I'll coach them. Because I know once they go through that process, they're going to come back. See? Are you hearing what I'm saying? So the dad, it, it is, a, it is a, a loving job. So it's a continuous job, and it's a loving job. You've got to keep loving them. Keep loving them in, in wisdom, and not to overspoil them, and, 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 and you mess them up and stuff like that. Let mama spoil them. You help her out, see? Because they got to have somebody to spoil them. And then it is a twofold job. And I already mentioned what the twofold is, is that it involves nurturing them and, and training them as a, as a child and corrective discipline, okay? Now, with this, I'm going to close. Point three. I want to share with you how I train my children in victory outreach. It's different in victory outreach. You have to do different things. And as, as I mentioned, that I was under a leader 
for a year and a half, and I told you that I was learning how to be a doer and things like that. And, and then the next leader was your elder, Pastor Steve Pineda. He was a, he was a leader. And so I was with him for a year and a half, and, and, and he showed us different things, but we were learning to be doers. And he put us in ministry to learn how to, he put me in a ministry called the Love Patrol. I didn't, I didn't know why he put me in the Love Patrol. He wanted me to greet people in the morning. So I'm right there greeting people, and they're putting their hands on me, and I'm like, get your hands off of me. You don't know me. And I said, man, what's the matter? Who was that? I said, is that me? Man, I messed up. Man, God, a nice sister. Oh, God bless you, brother. Get your hands off of me. And all of a sudden, I said, wow, look at the love they got. It was bugging me. So I, I didn't tell him. I said, I'm, I'm going to pray. I'm going to get into heavy prayer for an hour before I go to my post. It helped a little. But it did start taking place till I started fasting. And at that time, I didn't know you don't fast on the day of your activity. You fast a day before. See? Because you're not going to be human. <laughs> See, when you're fasting, you're in another world, in another spirit. If you're working on emotions, the emotions stay the same, dead. If you don't have no joy, no laughter, no funniness, and you learn that in the world, it is not going to ignite. But it helped me in this way, is that because fasting helps you to break the bondages in your life. Fasting helps you to loosen the things that the life and the enemy use you to kill your emotions, for negativity, to be uh, 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 pessimistic. And, and, and as you get into you notice uh, the, the lack of love and, 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 and you, you start really asking God and you start getting broken, you start crying because you don't want to hurt nobody and, and you hurt people. And then all of a sudden when you go to your post, now you're anointed. See, when you have an anointing, you have authority and power. The anointing comes from Jesus Christ given to the pastor. And the pastor lays his mantle on you when you come in. And that means he's laying, his mantle represents anointing, power, and authority over your life. So that you will be able to service people with the anointing of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I noticed that it helped me. And I went through that for a period, and you know what it did? Being under this, those two leaders and learning how to be a doer of the word. First I was learning. Now I'm practicing being a doer of the word. A husband and, 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 and all of those things in church and under leadership and, 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 and apologizing and helping out and being a team player. And, and, and still, you know, there was a lot of things I didn't like and I didn't know. But what it did, it prepared us to learn to be home directors. Now it's four and a half years of my salvation and the pastor had told me, you have a call of God upon your life. I want you to keep your bills down and I want you to come and learn. As soon as I have a position, you get ready, I'm going to call you. The time went by and he called and man, I went in there to work full time. 
full-time learning at four and a half years. No salary. I didn't care because I was going to live like the men of the Bible who lived by faith. No salary for four and a half years. It didn't matter to me because I was going to learn to live by faith like my pastor lived by faith in his ministry. I was going to have the opportunity to learn more, to be able to do the call of God. The call of God has to do with people. The purpose of God has to do with us helping people. The call of God unfolds the plan, and the plan of God for our lives is for us to help people in everyday life. And so here my wife and I, for four and a half years, we're learning how to be a couple, how, to, how not to fight, how to, how to tell each other, school each other, how to take it, and, and how not to quit. It's the hardest place to be is that when you're in a home and, and God is molding your marriage, it is difficult because you see your mate every day. At least when you go to work, you don't see her till you come back. Unless you love her, you call her for lunch. See? And so everything that was inside of us, of me being immoral and, and distrust and hurting my wife and all of those things were coming out while we were preparing for our call and helping men and women. We had 30 men and women. Now, here's the, the, the part that was heavy. Right when he told me that to come in and start working, uh, learning in the home, he said, I want you to start a Bible study. <laughs> I said, and it looked like the home was enough. Imagine work being 24 hours in a home with your kids and your wife with no money, living by faith, working the land six acres and taking care of the pastor, his children, taking care of the church, taking care of the people's family, making sure that they're being reached out to and, and, those, and hitting the streets. That was my responsibility. And he says, I want you to start a Bible study. So when he said that, the church moved to my neighborhood where I grew up for 20 years. I was happy because he's a pastor that believes that we can do it all. He believes that if you respond to God and you get in to train in the work of the ministry, that you'll be able to help your family in the same day. See, and what happens with people, they say, God first, my family second, the work of the ministries third. And all of a sudden, what happens to them? They get hung up on their family and they shine on the call. They don't train and they don't help in the church as a member of the body of Christ. And these are fathers that want to raise up their kids and they say, what's wrong with our kids? They don't want to serve God. What's wrong with, with her kids and my kids? And we've done everything. Well, what, what they saw is that they didn't see the response to the Almighty God first. And they didn't see that the parents went in there to find their place in the ministry to train for the heavenly call. And because of that, we're not going to know how to be a husband or a wife. We're not going to know how to change for our kids or, or understand each one is different. We're not going to know how to have patience for them when they don't want to serve God or when they're rebellious or they're getting high or, or they're having boyfriends and girlfriends or they're gang-banging or they're going to prison. We're not going to know how to do We're going to want to love them but chalk them up because they're gone. See? And all because he's first 
we train for what he called us, and on the same day, come here, baby, I love you. Mm. Come here, honey. I know we don't we don't know how to hug too good just when we're making love, but that that's not what you need, and that's not what I need. Come here, and all of a sudden you're like two Frankenstein's. Da -da -da -da. And then you have to say, did you feel that? Is that me or is that you? Well, who cares who it is, but let's straighten it out. Can we stay a little longer to see if our hearts meet? And eventually, by learning to give her a kiss before you go to work, tell her how beautiful she looks when she looks wasted. <laughs> Call her up for lunchtime and say, I was thinking about you. And then taking her to the ball game or learning to buy her a dress every six months. And then pretty soon you're buying her a dress every 30 days. And then you put a 20 in her purse so she's not busted. She don't have to ask you for offering money. And then, you know, here I want you to go do your nails and do your hair and let me get you a negligee. And, and I want you to look pretty and... and we don't know how to do all that stuff. I told the, the church this morning, they said, I used to see people cruising with their girlfriend in a car, real nice. I never had a car. I was always loaded, and my girlfriend was getting high. So whenever I would come out, I see these guys, pretty girls. They get off the car, and man, I was looking. I said, man, she's fine. How come I can't get that? Well, they know that I had a girlfriend already. My girlfriend was getting high. And when you get high, you don't care for nobody. But this is what I missed. I met my wife. We lived together. We got married, and I think we fell in love in 90 days. So we missed, I missed what I wanted to see. So now at 71, I'm taking her out on a date. She can hardly walk, and sometimes I'm sore. But I put her in a little electric car, and I can still jog where I get on my bike, and I say, come on, let's go to the mall. And there we are, and we're sharing a dinner because I feel bad that during all those years of six years of our seven-year marriage, I was immoral, and I was not faithful. It tears me up now that she was young, and now she's 62 years old. And I say, oh, God, I'm going to treat her good because I, I still have her. I heard her. I heard her so much. I'm going to pay attention to her. I don't know when she'll have to go, but I want to appreciate her. I'm going to take care of her. And so for the last 12 years, I haven't been able to go preach all over the world because my wife is not well. I'm a preacher that's used to going to the most dangerous places of the world because victory outreach goes to the most dangerous places where the godfathers have to let you in in Brazil. If they don't let you in those neighborhoods and they find you, they'll kill you on the spot. But because of the favor of God upon this ministry, those godfathers like the pastors, and the pastors take you to places that anybody else would get dusted. And then all of a sudden we're in there. Who do we meet? People like you and I. <laughs> Imagine they're in their families, people like you and I, the things that we lived here, see? And then if I would ask a question, how many people 
family have been busted. Nobody wants to cop out. Two, how many family in here, their family involved in cartel? Nobody wants to cop out. How many people that are in here, their families are skinheads? Still, nobody wants to cop out. How many people that are in here, their families are white supremacists, Ku Klux Klan? Nobody wants to get jumped. There's somebody back there. How many families come from the cribs, the bloods, and the black gorillas? How many families here have family that are from the structure, the Nuestra Familia, or the M? Now they're copying out a little bit. How many families, their families got loaded, dealt drugs, used heroin, smoked PCP, smoked angel dust, liked to fight, liked to dance, were immoral, were into pornography? But they were copying out a little bit more. And so those are the type of people that we reach. But all of us had to go through this process that when the pastor said, start the Bible study, at the same time, I was trained by my pastor's preaching and, and Pastor uh, uh, Steve Pineda and Ray Torres. They showed me how to go to the streets where it's dangerous, very challenging. And so I said, how am I going to make an effect in this community? So I learned to go on Sundays after the altar call, and I learned to go on Saturdays. And I learned to go during the week before the Bible study and another time to do follow-up to visit them in their houses. Oh, that's the key. When you call people and you say, can I go visit you? And they open that door, wham, it's on. Once they open that door, you see that lesbian lover. When they open that door, you see the homosexual son. You open that door and you see the stepfather, an ex-convict. They open that door and the kids are low riders, gang bangers. They open that door and when you see a good family, you say, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Maybe we can have a Bible study here. Because the other houses are wasted. They have holes in the walls. They need molding and stuff like that. But that's what God called us. See? God called us, came after us. And so as I close, all of that that I mentioned to you, and I learned to reach people, and our Bible study grew to 60. In four years, we, it would go to 60 right away, but we learned to send couples out in that city. We sent about four, four couples out that we reached and in the church that helped us, that were in the homes, and we send them out to be Bible study teachers. And our, our, our group grew to 60 people. So this is why I'm saying this. My children saw all of that. At that time, the pastor said, I want to send you out into the, into the evangelistic field and, and that was what God prepared me for, for the evangelistic field. See? The evangelistic field is not behind the pulpit. I don't want you guys to think that you're going to be evangelists, that this is it. No, 
Your pulpit is in the streets. Your pulpit is at home when you get up into prayer. And your pulpit is helping your pastor tear up a community for the glory of God. That's your pulpit. It's to bring in those people, reach those people that I'm speaking about because that's how you're going to train to be in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about witnessing when the church goes out and invites you to go witness and, and things like that. That's great. I'm talking about people that have a call to become fishers of men. And that you want to make your calling. God shows you. I want you in San Francisco. We got to tear it up in San Pancho. We haven't had good results in San Pancho. And I want you to get ready because I want you to have a church of 4,000. What do you think your pastor changed the name of Little Hayward? Even though there's a lot of drug addicts and gangsters and families. Because he didn't want to stay little. So the other guys got mad because he said, I'm going to change my name to the Church of the Bay. And somebody said, wait a minute. You're stepping on my toes. Get over. I ain't stopping. There's enough room for everybody. There's enough people for everybody. Antioch can have people. Vallejo can have people. Oakland can have people. We need people to be reached in San, San Pancho, San Francisco. We need them to be reaching the Niles here in the Alvarado. We got to tear up Dakota when we first started. Hayward needs a lot of Bible studies. We got to hit San Jose. We got to hit Palo Alto. We have to hit Marine County because we have family and friends all over those places. Homeboys and buddies and that live all over. And that's why Grand Theft Stevan, that's what I call him big time. He's a big timer. He changed the name of his church to the Church of the Bay. See? Isn't that beautiful? We don't even have to drive no more. Just get the bar, the bark, get your team, and kick it. Say, where are you going? We're going to go to San Francisco. But on the way down there, we're going to witness to people, praying for people. Wow, you know. Isn't that beautiful? Where are you going today? Oh, we're going to go to Antioch. And you're in the bus here. You're in the bar, passing off flyers, laying hands on people, casting out demons. And, and where are they at now? And, uh, and you're just going around like this, all the way around real nice. See? But dads and moms that are dads, I'm going to finish with this. I just said that because that's what helped me to raise up my boys. They weren't easy and they made mistakes. Mistakes that I would never make. Mistakes that if I made them, they would take my license away and I would not be able to preach. Imagine? Because it's a different generation. They, they, they do things that we would never do things. But I taught them this. Son, if you mess up, Cop out. Don't lie to your pastor. No matter what, even if it's bad or whatever, you messed up. Even if they sit you, you take whatever they give you. Don't blame God. Don't blame people if they talk about you because you gave them a reason to talk. Cop out. Plead guilty. Ask forgiveness of the Lord first. And whatever they tell you to do, 
you do it. And even if they sit you down, you get right with God and you win people to the Lord. See? Because God called you and you have to know that if you messed up in the ministry, you didn't respond right, you didn't take care of your call, don't hide things. Because if you hide, you may not make it to heaven. So each one, I taught him that. Now the big one, his wife just passed away. She was beautiful. Oh, the prettiest girl in town. Beautiful daughter-in-law. And she could sing. And she died of cancer nine months ago. And he's been grieving. But what helps him is he goes out and he preaches. He's a good preacher. He's a good singer. We stay close to him. He cares to be right. He cares to make his call. Things that maybe he wasn't careful about, now he's honored that before the Lord. The second one just had a little baby. And he knows how to train people to do dramas. In the ministry, he learned how to write dramas and how to train cast to do dramas before thousands. He's a great drummer. And so... He does camera work. He likes that because it's, it's bringing him good finances. And he gets to witness to people. And he just became a, a dad of a 14-year-old little, little cute little guy, my grandson. And the little one, he ran for 12 years. He got hurt. You heard him. My pastors heard him. I mean, not my pastors, but the leadership under under uh, under his they hurt my boy and when somebody hurts your boy oh pastor she fell down that's what you want to do but as a Christian we're taught we can't interfere with what our children have to go through in their call. As a dad and a mom, you can't get in there and interfere with the hand of God. Because the pastors, when they see us going through things, they want to help us, but God says, leave them alone. Don't help them. But if I don't help them, they're going to they're gonna go away, God. They're going to backslide. They have to do what's in their heart. Me and you have to be allowed to do what's in our heart to see if we really wanted to make our call. And so the little one, he used to smoke grass every day, but because he grew up in the Lord every so often, he, he came from the crystal meth and he was smoking every so often in 12 years. But because he grew up in the Lord, he didn't like parties, he didn't like nightclubs, he didn't like dances. He didn't like the girls of the world. He didn't like those type of things because the girls in the church liked them. And so I had to wait for him. He worked, lost his job, lost his car, and then he had a bad experience. I went and found him. He was in his car. I got him to pull over. He said, Dad, they're after us. They're going to kill us. The Crips. He says, and the police, they're, they're going to kill you. They're going to kill my nephew. He said, Dad. And I said, come on, son, pull over. Get over here. I finally got him and got the key. 
And I got him. I said, son, there's nobody here. <laughs> I said, nobody's here. He thought that the cribs were, were after him and and because uh, he, he, he had a bad deal, go bad with the, with the cribs. And he thought that the cops were after him. And when I grabbed him, I said, son, there's nobody here. The cops came. And when the cops came, I was happy. And I said, oh, man, what if he doesn't do what they tell him? Oh. And all of a sudden, I said, get down on all four. And I said, I ain't going to get on all four and have them shoot my boy. I said, can't you see his condition? He's, I couldn't even say the word. He's out of it. Gabriel, come on, get down, son. Son, come on, get down. He wasn't violent or anything. I didn't let him be violent in his life. But, you know, he was out of it. You better get down. Right now we had seven pistols pointing at me. I said, I ain't getting down from you. I'm saying my mind. I said, son, come on, son. Don't you see his condition? Don't shoot, don't shoot. And then finally he started getting down and he laid down. And me, I knew the position. I was an expert. And then they took him to the hospital. They gave him a shot. But before that, he was talking to seven officers in one conversation. That led to him making a decision. The hardest decision he had to make, but he made the decision and he went with his spiritual parents, Ellen Georgina Valdez. From Victory Outreach San Diego, they were his spiritual parents, and he got born again in the East Coast. And Georgina would say, when Gabriel gets ready, he's coming home to us. And when he made that decision, I knew he was never going to be with us at the Mother Church. I didn't care about that. I wanted him to be in the perfect will of God. And his pastor put him in the home for, for about six, seven months. And he says, I want you to come up the rough way. And it was difficult for him because he had never been in the home. But he stood and he kept on hassling. He kept on dying to himself. And then they put him in a second phase. And he was so smart. He knew what everybody wasn't doing right. <laughs> he knew, if the, he knew if, if the pastor wasn't doing anything right. He knew if the leader wasn't doing anything right. And I said, shut up. I said, just shut up and you do what you're supposed to do. Because why? He grew up with us in the home. He saw the founder built the church to 4,000 from the time he was born. Whatever number it was when he was born, 500. He saw Pastor Sonny built the mother church to 4,000 people. He saw how a pastor of a compassionate pastor cares for people and gives them money and helps them out with their situations and spends time after the service talking to them. So I had to tell him, shut up and forget about it in a different way because I had to listen to him. But finally, when the baby was born, little Alec, and he was being operated and he died, that little baby brought all the outreach together for a purpose. He had a call, and his call, 
He lived only a month. And in that call, the whole outreach came together and prayed for his life. And his call before God was to unite the outreach so that one generation that is here will pick it up and work hard like the previous generation, like the Stepingeta generation, like the Arkansas Pastor Sunny generation. That little baby brought everybody together to be able to heed to the calling of God and to get into prayer first of all. And when you have to get into prayer for somebody that's passing away and is in trouble, the first thing you realize is the prayer that you have and the relationship you have with God, it is not enough. It is not going to move the hand of God. And so the first thing you notice is that Pastor Al said this, is that what he had going with his God and his relationship and reading his Bible and praying was not enough to get him close to his God to share his heart. So that little baby caused the whole outreach all over to get in there and to get a hold of God and to spend time and really talk to God from our hearts. And then when the Lord saw the unity, he took him. And my son said this, it was as I close, as you stand. He says this, Dad, that little baby helped me to get a breakthrough. Now he talks different. Now when he calls, he asks advice on what to share about evangelism. Before it was a complaint about everybody. Now when he calls, he said, Dad, that little baby helped me to get a breakthrough. He wanted to come home and all the time and say, Daddy, what if I don't make it? I'm not going to be able to come home. I said, no, you can't come home because this is Jerusalem. This is, this is Egypt for you. He said, well, I'm going to have to go live with my friends. I said, you can't live with your friends. They're not saved. And so that was our last conversation when he went back and that little baby boy caused him to have a breakthrough. Now he's the happiest camper with his director. His pastor's proud of him because he withstood the pressures of life. See? He, he did what he had to do to become a father. He's going to be a father one day. God's going to give him a wife. But God wanted him to be a son to him and to be a son to his to his to his pastor. He wanted him to pay the price and to go through the trial and tribulation and to learn to take it and to learn to get a hold of God. And so today, that and those moms that are, that are serving as a dad, this is the call that I'm going to give you. Who wants to respond to the call of God, I want you to come. Just those of you that say, man, Brother Mando, I want that type of training for my family and for myself. That's the type of training C. Pineda went through. That's the type of training his son, 
chose to go to when his dad passed away and went to heaven. That's my second call. I mean, my first call. And I want you to think about it, moms and dads. Those of you that are still left standing, I want you to talk to each other. And, 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 and if it's your dad, if it's your mom, if it's your sister, talk to each other. If you brought them, talk to, talk to them. Tell them, come on. Come on, let's, let's make this altar call, Dad. Let's heed to the call of God upon our life. Go ahead, take your time. I'll wait for you, okay? I'll wait for you. So you can talk to your neighbor about responding to the call. Because you could be a dad and you're not close to your kids right now. But God is showing you how you're going to be able to get trained to be a good husband. There's people here that are looking for a husband and you haven't found him. Because you have to be trained by God. By responding to the call. That's my first call. Now, if there's another need, I want you to come because I'm going to pray for other needs. I'm going to pray for healing. I'm going to pray for for bondages to be broken. I'm going to pray that people can be set free from partying, from immorality, pornography, getting loaded, partying, I'm going to pray for those things. Cancer. I'm going to pray that God will heal hepatitis A, B, C, and D. Women's problems. Migraine headaches. Needs that you might have. Loved ones that are in jail. Going to court. Parole situations. That's my second call. If that's the type of need. Finances. Violations of probation and parole. Favor to get a job. A heavy situation in your life. Okay, you can. Heavenly Father, is there anybody here that would say, Brother Mando, I'm not saved yet. I struggle in my salvation. I'm not right. If that's you and you want to give your life to God, you want to you respond to the call to salvation. You want to respond to the call of repentance. It starts there. So if there's anybody here that is not saved and you want to give your heart to God or you struggle and you're in and out, I want you to come. I'll wait a little bit. I want you to come. Because God's going to, you're going to have a chance to repent and get saved. See? Rededicate your life. And so let's lead those to the Lord first and then I'll pray for those that came to respond as fathers and mothers to the call of God. Repeat after me with your voice and with all your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, those that came to get saved and those that came to rededicate their life and say, 
Thank you for bringing me this afternoon. I can't make it without you. I need you so much in my life. And I do believe that Jesus is your son. The savior of the world. I want him to be my savior. So I ask you, Father, please forgive me for everything I've done. Jesus, come into my life. Teach me how to live for you. I give my life to you.